So, hello. Uh, today I'm going to read you from the chapter 5, Diagon Alley. This is going to be a long chapter, so be, be prepared. Uh, I picked the best parts as best as I can. So, let's begin. Harry woke up early in the next morning. Although he could tell it was daylight, he kept his eyes shut tight. It was a dream, he told himself firmly. I dreamed a giant called Hagrid came to me, tell me I was going to a school for wizards. When I open my eyes, I'll be at home in my cupboard. There was suddenly a loud tapping noise. And there's Aunt Petunia knocking on the door. Harry fought, his heart sinking. But he still didn't open his eyes. It had been such a good dream. Tap, tap, tap. All right, Harry mumbled, mumbled. I'm getting up. He sat up and Hagrid's heavy coat fell off him. The hut was full of sunlight. The storm was over. Hagrid himself was asleep on the collapsed sofa and there was an owl wrapping its claw on the window. A newspaper held in its beak. Harry scrambled to his feet, so, hap so happy he felt as I thought a large balloon was swelling inside him. He went straight to the window and jerked it open. The owl swooped in and dropped the newspaper on top of Hagrid, who didn't wake up. The owl then fluttered onto the floor and began to attack Hagrid's coat. Don't do that. Harry tried to wave the owl out of the way, but it snapped its brake fiercely at him and carried on savaging the coat. Hagrid, said Harry loudly, there's an owl. Pay him, grunted in the sofa. What? He wants to pay for delivering the paper. Look in the pockets. Hagrid's coat seemed to be made of nothing but pockets. Bunch of keys, slug pellets, balls from string, mint, humbugs, tea bags. Finally, Harry pulled out a handful of strange looking coins. Give him uh, five knuts, said Hagrid sleepily. Knuts? Uh, the little bronze ones. Harry counted out five little bronze coins. The owl held its leg to so he could put the money into a small leather pouch tied to it. Then it flew through the open window. Hagrid yawed loudly, sat up and stretched. Best be off, Harry. Lots to do today. Gotta get up to London and buy you all your stuff for school. Harry was turning over the wizard coins and looking at them. He had just thought of something which made feel as though the happy balloon inside him had got a puncture. Um, Hagrid? Mm, said Hagrid, who was pulling on his huge boots. I haven't got any money and you heard Uncle Vernon last night. He won't pay me for to go and learn magic. Don't worry about that, said Hagrid, standing up and sketching his head. Do you think your parents didn't have you anything? But if their house was destroyed, they didn't keep their gold in the house, boy. Now, first stop for us is Gringotts. Wizard's Bank. Have a sausage there. Not bad cold. And I wouldn't say that bit of your birthday cake, neither. Wizards have banks? Just the one, Gringotts, run by goblins. Harry dropped the bit of sausage he was holding. Goblins? Yeah, so you'd be mad they're trying to rob it. I'll tell you that. Never mess with the goblins, Harry. Gringotts is the safest place in the world for anything you want to keep to save. Except 
maybe Hogwarts. As a matter of fact, I gotta visit Gringotts anyway, for Dumbledore, Hogwarts business. Hagrid drew himself up proudly. He usually gets me to do important stuff for him. Fetching you, getting things from Gringotts, knows he can trust me, see? Got everything, come on then. Harry followed Harry out of the rock. The sky was quite clear now and the sea gleamed in the sunlight. The boat Uncle Werner had hired was still there, with a lot of water in the bottom after a storm. How did you get here? asked Harry, looking around for more boat. Flu, said Hagrid. Flu? Yeah, but we got back in this. Not supposed to do magic, now I've got you. They settled down in the boat, Harry still staring at Hagrid, trying to imagine him flying. Seems a shame, the road, said Hagrid, giving Harry another of his sideway looks. If I was there, uh, speed things up a bit, would you? Mind not mention it, Hogwarts. Of course not, said Harry, eager to see more magic. Hagrid pulled out the pink umbrella again, tapped it twice on the side of the boat and they speeded off towards land. Why would you be mad to try and rob Gringotts? Harry asked. Spells, enchantments, said Hagrid, unfolding his newspaper as he spoke. They say there's dragons guarding, the high security walls. And then you gotta find your way. Gringotts is hundreds of miles under on London, see? Deep under the underground. You die of hunger trying to get out, even if you did manage to get your hands on Summit. Harry sat and thought about his wa- about this while Hagrid read, read his new his newspaper. The Daily Prophet. Harry had learned from Uncle Vernon that people liked to be left alone while they did this. But it was very difficult. He'd, he'd never had so many questions in his life. Ministry of Magic messing things up as usual, Hagrid muttered, turning the page. There's a Ministry of Magic, Harry asked before he could stop himself. Of course, said Hagrid. They want Dumbledore for minister, of course. But he'd never leave Hogwarts. So old Cornelius Fudge got the job. Bungler if ever there was one. So he pelts Dumbledore with owls every morning asking for advice. So I'm gonna skip a part. This was just an ordinary street full of ordinary people. Could there really be piles of wizard calls buried under miles beneath? Were there really shops that sold spell books and broomsticks? Might this not all be some huge joke at Dursley's that cooked up? If Harry hadn't known that Dursley's had no sense of humor, he might have thought so. Yet somehow, even though everything Hagrid had told him so far was unbelievable, Harry couldn't help trusting him. This is it, said Hagrid, coming to a halt, the leaky cauldron. It's a famous place. It was a tiny, grubby-looking pub. If Hagrid hadn't pointed out, Harry wouldn't have noticed it was there. The people hurrying by didn't glance at it. Their eyes slid from the big bookshop on one side of the record shop on the other as if they couldn't see the leaky cauldron at all. In fact, Harry had the most peculiar feeling that only he and Hagrid could see it. Before he could mention this, Hagrid had steered him inside. For a famous place, it was very dark and shabby. A few old women were sitting in a corner, drinking tiny glasses of sherry. One of them was smoking a long pipe. A little man in a top hat was talking to an old poor man. 
who was quite bald and looked like a gummy walnut. The low buzz of the cheddar stopped when they walked in. Everyone seemed to know Hagrid. They waved and smiled at him, and the barman reached for a glass, saying, The usual, Hagrid? Can't, Tom. I'm on Hogwarts business, said Hagrid, clapping his great hand on Harry's shoulder and making Harry's knees buckle. Good Lord, said the barman, peering at Harry. Is this? Can this be? The leaky cauldron had suddenly gone completely still and silent. Bless my soul, whispered the old man. Harry Potter, what an honor. He heard out from behind the bar, rushed towards Harry and seized his hand, tears in his eyes. Welcome back, Mr. Potter, welcome back. Harry didn't know what to say. Everyone was looking at him. The old woman with the pipe was puffing on it without realizing it had gone out. Hagrid was beaming. Then there was a great scraping of chairs, and next moment Harry found himself shaking hands with everyone in the leaky cauldron. Doris Crockford, Mr. Potter, can't believe I'm meeting you at last. So proud, Mr. Potter, I'm just so proud. Always wanted to shake your hand. I'm all of a flutter. Delighted, Mr. Potter, just can't tell you. Diggle's the name. Diddle's Diggle. I've seen you before, said Harry, as Diggle's still top of head fell off on his excitement. You bowed to me once in a shop. He remembers, cried Diddle's Diggle, looking around at everyone. Did you hear that? He remembers. Harry shook hands again and again. Doris Crockford kept coming back for more. A pale young man made his way forward very nervously. One of his eyes was twitching. Professor Quirrell, said Hagrid. Harry, Professor Quirrell will be one of your teachers at Hogwarts. Potter, stammered Professor Quirrell, grasping Harry's hand. Can't tell you know how pleased I am to meet you. What sort of magic do you teach, Professor Quirrell? The defense against the dark arts, muttered Professor Quirrell. As though he'd rather not think about it. Not you need it, Potter. He laughed nervously. You'll be getting all your equipment, I suppose. I've got to pick up a new book on vampires myself. He looked terrified at the very thought, but others wouldn't let Professor Quill keep Harry to himself. It took almost ten minutes to get away from them all. At last, Harry managed to make himself hurt over the bubble. Must get on. Lots to buy. Come on, Harry. Vampires, hags? Harry's head was swimming. Hagrid, meanwhile, was counting bricks on the wall above the dustbin. Three up, three across, he muttered. Right. Stand back, Harry. He tapped the wall three times with the point of his umbrella. The brick he had touched quirt. It wriggled. In the middle, a small hall appeared. It grew wider and wider. A second later, they were facing an archway, large enough even for Hagrid, an archway onto the cobbler's street, which was twisted and turned out of sight. Welcome, said Hagrid, to Diagon Alley. So they came uh, at last to the bank, Gringotts. Enter, stranger, but take heed of what awaits the sin of greed. For those who take but do not earn must pay most dearly in their turn. So if you seek beneath our floors a treasure what was never yours, thief, you have been warned, beware, of finding more than treasure there. 
Like I said, you're mad if you try to rob it, said Hagrid. A pair of goblins bowed them through the civil doors and there were a vast marble hall. About a hundred more goblins were sitting on high stools behind the long counter, scribbling a large ledger, weighing coins and brass scales, examining precious stones through eyeglasses. There were too many doors to count leading off the hall, and yet more goblins were showing people in, in and out of these. Hagrid and Harry made for the counter. Morning, said Hagrid for a free goblin. We have come to take some money out of Mr. Potter's safe. You have the key, sir. I got it somewhere, said Hagrid and started emptying his pockets on the counter, scattering a handful of mildly dog biscuits over the goblin's book of numbers. The goblin wrinkled his nose. Harry wedged the goblin on their right, wading a pile of rubies, a big as glowing coals. Got it, said Hagrid at last, holding up a tiny golden key. The goblin looked at closely. That seems to be in order. And I've also got a letter here from Professor Dumbledore, said Hagrid, importantly, throwing out his chest. It's about the uh, you-know-what in Vault 713. The goblin read the letter carefully. Very well, he said, handing it back to Hagrid. I will have someone take you down to both walls. Gripok. Gripok was yet another goblin. Once Hagrid had crammed all the dog biscuits back inside his pockets, he and Harry followed Gripok towards one of the doors leading off the hall. What's the you-know-what in Vault 713? asked Harry. Can't tell you that, Harry, said Hagrid mysteriously. Very secret. Hogwarts business. Dumbledore trusted me. More on my job's worth to tell you that. Gripok held the door open for them. Harry, who had expected more marble, was surprised. They were in a narrow stone passageway, lit with flaming torches. It slopped steeply downwards, and there was a little railway tracks on the floor. I never know, Harry called to Hagrid over the noise of the cart. What's the difference between a stalagmite and a stalactite? Stalagmites got an M minute, said Hagrid, and don't ask me questions just now. I think I'm gonna be sick. It did look very green, and when the cart stopped at last beside a small door in the passage wall, Hagrid got out and had to lean against the wall to stop his knees trembling. Gripok unlocked the door. A lot of green smoke came blowing out, and as it cleared, Harry gasped. Inside were mounds of gold coins. Columns of silver, heaps of little bronze knuts. All yours, smiled Hagrid. All Harry's. It was incredible. The Dursley couldn't have known about this or they've had, have had from it faster than blinking. How often had they complained how much Harry cost them to keep? And all the time there had been a small fortune belonging to him buried deep under London. Hagrid had Harry piled some of it in a, into a bag. The gold ones are galleons, he explained, 17 silver sickles to a galleon and 29 knuts to a sickle. It's easy enough. Why, that should be enough for a couple of terms. Well, keep the rest safe for you. He turned to Gripbook, Well, 713 now, please. And can we go more slowly? One speed only, said Gripbook. They were going even deeper now and gathering speed. The air became colder and colder as they hurt Hurted around tight corners. They went rattling over an underground ravine, and Harry leaned over the side to try and see what was down to the dark bottom. But Hagrid groaned and pulled him back 
by the scruff of his neck. Vault 713 had no keyhole. Stand back, said Gripok importantly. He struck the door gently with one of his long fingers, and it simply melted away. If anyone but a Gringot goblin tried that, they'd be sucked through the door and trapped in there, said Gripok. How often do you check to see if anyone's inside? Ari asked. Uh, about once every ten years, said Gripok with a rather nasty grin. Something really extraordinary had to be inside this top secret security vault. Harry was sure and he leaned forward eagerly, expecting to see fabulous jewels at the very least. But at first he thought it was empty. Then he noticed a grubby little package wrapped up in brown paper lying on the floor. Hagrid picked it up, but he tucked it deep inside his coat. Harry longed to know what it was, but knew better than to ask. Come on, back in this inversion card and don't talk to me on the way back. It's best if I keep the mouth shut, said Hagrid. One wild cart ride later, they stood blinking in the sunlight outside Gringotts. Listen, Harry, I would you, would you mind if I slipped off her back picking up the leaky cauldron? I hate the, them Gringotts cards. He, he did still look a bit sick, so Harry entered Madame Malkin's shop alone, feeling nervous. Madame Malkin was a squat, smiling witch dressed all in mauve. Hogwarts, dear, she said when Harry started to speak. Got the lot here, another young man being fitted up just now, in fact. In the back of the shop, a boy with a pale, pointed face was standing on the footstool while a second witch spinned up his long black robes. Madame Malkin stood Harry on the stool next to him, slipped a long rope over his head and began to pin it to the right length. Hello, said the boy. Hogwarts too? Yes, said Hagrid. My father's next door buying my books and mother's up the street looking at wands, said the boy. He had a bored, trolling noise. Then I'm going to drag them off to look at the racing brooms. I don't see why first years can't have their own. I think I'll, buy, I'll bully father into getting my, me one. And I smuggled it in somehow. Harry was strongly reminded of Dudley. Have you got your own broom? The boy went on. No, said Harry. Play Quidditch at all? No, Harry said again and wondering on, what on earth Quidditch could be. I do. Father says it's a crime if I'm not picked to play for my house. And I must say, I agree. Now what house you'll be in yet? Know what house you'll be in it? No, said Harry, feeling more stupid by the minute. Well, no one really knows until they get there, do they? But I know I'll be in Slytherin. All our family have been. Imagine being in Hufflepuff. I think I'd leave, wouldn't you? Mm, said Harry, wishing he could say something a bit more interesting. I say, look at that man, said the boy suddenly nodding towards the front window. Hagrid was standing there, grinning at Harry and pointing at two large ice creams to show he couldn't come in. That's Hagrid, said Harry, pleased to know something that the boy didn't. He works at Hogwarts. Oh, said the boy, I've heard of him. He's sort of a servant, isn't he? He's the gate gamekeeper, said Harry. He was liking the boy less and less every second. Yes, exactly. I heard he's sort of a savage. Lives in a hut 
in the school of ground and every now and then he gets drunk, tries to do magic and ends up setting fire to his bed. I think he's brilliant, said Harry coldly. Do you? said the boy with a slight sneer. Why is he with you? Where are your parents? They're dead, said Harry shortly. He didn't feel much like going into matter with, his, with this boy. Oh, sorry, said Otto, not sounding sorry at all. But they were our kind, weren't they? They were a witch and wizard, if that's what you mean. I really don't think they should let other sort in it. Do you? There's just not the same. They've never been brought up to know our ways. Some of them have never even heard of Hogwarts until they get the letter. Imagine. I think they should keep in the old wizarding families. What's your surname anyway? But before Harry could answer, Madame Malkin said, That's you, done, my dear. And Harry, not sorry for an excuse, could stop talking to the boy, hopped down from the footstool. Well, see you soon at Hogwarts, I suppose, said the drawling boy. Harry was rather quiet as he ate the ice cream Hagrid had bought him. Chocolate and raspberry with chopped nuts. What's up, Hagrid? Eh, what's up, said Hagrid. Nothing, Harry lied. The last job was narrow and shabby. Peeling gold letters over door and red, only vendors, makers of fine ones since 382 BC. A single bond lay on the faded purple cushion on the dusty window. A twinkling bell rang somewhere in the depths of the shop as they stepped inside. It was a tiny place, empty except for a single spindly chair which Hagrid sat on to wait. Harry felt, felt strangely as though he had entered a very strict library. He swallowed a lot of new questions we had, which had just occurred to him and looked instead of the thousands of narrow boxes piled nightly right up to the ceiling. For some reason the back of his neck prickled. The very dust and silence in here seemed to tingle with some secret maggots. Good afternoon, said a soft voice. Harry jumped. Hagrid must have jumped too, because there was a loud crunching noise and he got quickly off the spindle chair. An old man was standing there before them, his white pale eyes shining like moons through the gloom of the shop. Hello, said Harry awkwardly. Ah, yes, said the man. Yes, yes, I thought I'd be seeing you soon, Harry Potter. It wasn't a question. You have your mother's eyes. It seems only yesterday she was in here, buying her first one. Ten and quarters inches long, swishy, made of willow. Nice one for charm work. Mr. Ollivander moved closer to Harry. Harry wished he wouldn't blink. Those silvery eyes were a bit creepy. Your father, on the other hand, favored a Magoni wand, 11 inches, pliable, a little more power and excellent for a transfiguration. Well, I say your father favored it. It's really the wand that chooses the world, of course. Mr. Ollivander had come to close that he and Harry were almost nose to nose. Harry couldn't see, him, could see himself reflecting those misty eyes. And that's where... Mr. Ollivander touched lightning scar on Harry's forehead with a long, wide finger.
I'm uh, sorry to say I sold the one that did it, he said softly. Thirteen and a half inches. You, powerful wand, very, very powerful, in the wrong hands. Well, if I'd know what it was doing, going out in the world to do. He shook his head and then, to Harry's relief, spotted Hagrid. Rubius, Rubius Hagrid, how nice to see you again. Oak, sixteen inches, rather bendy, wasn't it? It was, sir, yes, said Hagrid. Good one, that one. But I suppose they snapped it in half when you got expelled, said Mr. Ollivander, suddenly stern. Uh, yes, they did, yes, said Hagrid, shuffling his feet. I've still got the pieces, though, he added brightly. But you don't use them, said Mr. Ollivander sharply. Oh, no, sir, said, Harry quickly, said Hagrid quickly. Harry noticed he gripped his pink umbrella very tightly as he spoke. Hmm, said Mr. Ollivander, giving Hagrid a piercing look. Well, now, Mr. Potter, let me see. He pulled a long tape measure with silver markings out of his pocket. Which is your wand arm? Uh, well, I'm right-handed, said Harry. Hold out your arm. That's it. He measured Harry from shoulder to finger, then wrist to elbow, shoulder to floor, knee to armpit and round his head. As he measured, he said, every Ollivander wand has a core of a powerful magic substance, Mr. Potter. We use unicorn hairs, phoenix tail feathers, and the harsh rings of dragons. Now two Ollivander wands are the... No two Ollivander wands are the same, just as no two unicorns, dragons, or phoenixes are quite the same. And of course, you'll, you will never get a such good result with another wizard's wand. Harry suddenly realized that the tape measure, which was measuring between his nostrils, was doing this on its own. Mr. Ollivander was flitting around the shelves, taking down boxes. That will do, he said, and tape measure crumbled into a heap of the floor. Right then, Mr. Potter, try this one. Beechwood and dragon heart string, nine inches, nice and flexible. Just take it and uh, give it a wave. Harry took the wand and... Feeling foolish, waved it around a bit, but Mr. Ollivander snatched it out of his hand almost at once. Maple and phoenix feathers, seven inches, quite weepy. Try. Harry tried, but he had hardly raised the wand when it went to, was snatched by, snatched back by Ollivander. No, no, here, a bony unicorn hair, eight and a half inches, springy. Go on, go on, try it out. Harry tried and tried. He had no idea what Ollivander was waiting for. The pile of dried vans was mounting higher and higher on the spindly chair, but the more wands Ollivander pulled from the shelf, the happier he seemed to become. Tricky customer, eh? Not to worry, we'll find the perfect match here somewhere. I wonder now... Yes, why not? Unusual combination, holy and phoenix feather, 11 inches, nice and supple. Harry took the wand. He felt a sudden warmth in his fingers. He raised the wand above his head, brought it swishing down through the dusty air and a stream of red and gold sparks shot from the end like a firework throwing a dancing spots of light onto the walls. Hagrid whooped and clapped and Mr. Ollivander cried, oh bravo, yes indeed, oh very good, well, 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 how curious, how very curious. 
He put Harry's wand back into its box and wrapped it brown paper, still muttering, Curious, curious. Sorry, said Harry, but uh, what's curious? Mr. Ollivander fixed Harry with his pale stare. I remember every and every wand I've ever sold, Mr. Potter. Every single wand. It so happens that the phoenix whose tail feather is in your is in your hand gave another feather, just one another. It is very curious indeed that you should be destined for this wand, and when its brother, why its brother gave you that scar, Harry swallowed. Yes, thirteen and a half inches. You, curious indeed how these things happen. The wand chooses the wizard, remember? I think we must accept great things from you, Mr. Potter. After all, he who must not be named did great things. Terrible, but yes, great things. Harry shivered. He wasn't sure he liked Mr. Ollivander too much. He paid seven galleons for this wand, and Miss Ollivander bowed them from his shop. Your tickets for Hogwarts, he said. First of September, King's Cross. It's all on your ticket. Any problems with the Dursleys? Send me a letter with your owl. She'll know where to find me. See you soon, Harry. The train pulled out of the station. Harry wanted to watch Hagrid until he was out of sight. He rose in his seat and pressed his nose against the window. But he blinked and Hagrid had gone. So, after the Diagon Alley shopping tour, uh, Harry went back to the Dursleys and uh, he was mum one month there before he could go to Hogwarts. So that's the end of the chapter 5, Diagon Alley. I hope you liked it as much as I did <laughs> to read it.